My name is Bobby. I'm a paramedic with 27 years of experience in EMS and fire. And my name is Jason, and I'm a retired paramedic with 20 years experience in EMS and fire. And together we're... Paramedics? Unscripted. On this show, everything is on the table. We'll talk about burnout in the business, calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, Holly Pharmacy, frequent flyers, the current housing market, the financial system, BS doctor office visits, or anything else we want to, all from a paramedic's point of view. And why? Because we're paramedics. Unscripted. Welcome back into Paramedics Unscripted. My name is Jason. I'm here with my co-host, Bobby. And we're here for episode number 13, one to the three. Bobby, how you doing, brother? Lucky 13, what's up, bro? Yeah, man, lucky 13. Fuck all that superstitious stuff. We're here live and in charge this week. Um, let's get into it this week. I know we were talking about this pre-show a little bit. Um, so today, with the holidays coming around the corner, um, Bobby and I were talking, and we wanted to do a little uh, podcast this week about EMS, uh, fire, police, all that stuff, all the public service people um, having to work on holidays and major weather events. So do you want to start off, or uh, how do you want to do that? Take the reins, bro. All right, man. Well, as uh, most people know, or for may, matter of fact, maybe don't know, um, as you know, as paramedics, um, where I worked before, we had a set schedule. Um, I was on a, I was on C shift. Uh, I was A, B, and C shift. And the way it worked was you worked uh, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, 24 off, 24 on, four days off. Those three 24s in a five-day period with a day off in between, and then you had a four-day break. And then you just fast-forward that through the entire calendar year. So at the beginning of the year, you can definitely look, and they had little uh, like wallet cards you could see, the color-coded cards. You could see at the beginning of the year exactly what holidays you, ha- you, know, you were going to be working on. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. A lot, of, a lot of people obviously have normal like banker hour jobs and stuff like that where, you know, hey, the you know, government's closed today, or the banks are closed today, or the schools are closed today. Because it's a holiday. Well, that is not the same in EMS and fire. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So you're going to have to uh, prepare for that. If you're getting into this industry, um, just know that that's something that's going to, uh, that's going to come up in your career. Um, so if you're someone who, you know, maybe you have a newborn or, or I don't know, you're just someone who really likes a specific holiday or really likes celebrating your birthday or something crazy like that. Um, you are not going to do that sometimes in your career. Hopefully you can switch it out. There are ways to, uh, I don't know how your department works, Bobby, but in ours, we could, um, we could swap. So you could have like a buddy from maybe another shift or something like that. And you could say like, Hey man, I'll work your Thanksgiving. If you work my Christmas or, or maybe you have like an, an overtime whore who just likes to gather the hours. Cause you do get holiday time and double time and a half on those days. Um, so a lot of people like working them for that reasons, but you do have to prepare yourself for the fact that there are going to be some times you're going to miss family events. Oh, absolutely. It's funny you say that because uh, this is probably the first year where I've had Christmas Eve and Christmas Day off both same time, you know, in probably five years, maybe six. Um, yeah, yeah that's, it's, just, it's, just, well, it's just the nature of the beast because, uh, I mean, like you were saying how your old shift was, my shift is uh, – is uh 24 on 48 off and it's a constant rotation like that and then at the end of the third week i'll have what they call a, a you know kelly shift which i'll have five days in a row off That's so, so awesome. <laughs> the christmas and christmas eve just happen to fall into my like for instance i go back on shift tomorrow okay and then um i will get off on uh, thursday morning 
and I will, you know, my Kelly day, you know, the day that's what we call Kelly days, my, which gives me an extra day off is always falls on a Saturday. So anytime my shift falls on a Saturday, you know, I have the day off and just so happens Christmas Eve and Christmas day fall on that gap of time. So I'm off. Well, I know in, in your uh, prior schedule at your job, didn't you used to work 48 straight? Like 48 straight. So then if the luck, you know, <laughs> there was, you know, one time where I was there Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, which kind of sucked. Yeah. Well, and of course, since everybody wants off those days, good luck trying to find someone to work for you or to trade a shift because, you know, most people want to be with their families, which is completely understandable. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's true because we had, like I said, we had a few people that would, were known to switch, um, you know, or help out or do the overtime, but there are only a few of them. So there were a lot of years where you just got sucked into it, you know? And, and the other thing like you had brought up before and even prior to your, uh, you're working 48s. Now you do the 24s, but, um, a lot of people don't understand too is, okay, I work, you know, where I worked, I worked 24s, but that means you, if you're off like new year's Eve, let's say, and, but you're working new year's. Yeah. You can't, it's not, you know what I mean? Like your holidays are different. You can't drink obviously on new year's Eve and get trashed and then go to work the next day. Like, so a lot of people don't understand that too. It's like, Oh, that's cool. You didn't have to work Christmas, you know? And I'm like, Oh no, but I had to work Christmas Eve. So I'm not getting home. I'm not going to be home when my daughter wakes up, you know, I'm going to, cause I'm going to be at work and then have to drive home and maybe I'll get a late call or something like that. Right. Like a lot of people don't understand that. So just because like, even you, even you said now with your holiday, with your um, schedule, even if you're not actually working the holiday, if you're working before or after, depending on the holiday, that can, that can, you know, hinder everything too. So that's just something you kind of have to prepare and like getting into this, you just have to know that this is not, this is not the job. If you want to work nine to five and be off every weekend and never work nights and do all that stuff, EMS, unless you do maybe a private service or something like that. But you know, even then they're probably going to ask you to do some other stuff, but that's the only way you're really going to be able to do that. Not in this field, as far as I've seen, unless you maybe work, maybe a hospital, but even then you're probably going to be asked to work nights and stuff like that. Right. And the, the positive flip side of that coin is uh, if you happen to do work on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, that's for most departments, that's double time. So you're still going to make out by making twice the amount of pay for that day or days. Yeah. Which is, yeah. You know, we got double time and a half for ours. And it, yeah, it's a, you know, it's a money day for sure. If you can get over the fact that, you know, you're not going to be there for Christmas or New Year's or whatever the holiday is or Thanksgiving or something like that. Yeah. You're going to make bank for being there. That That is the nice part of it. But, oh, but it's also something you're like loved one, you know, your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. They have to understand that too. They have to understand that like, but the good thing is you'll know about it. It's, this is not something that's going to sneak up. This is not something they're going to, you know, hold you over for most likely and stuff like that. This is stuff. It's like going to be like way. I mean, you'll know it January one. And well, you'll actually know it even a year before if you want, cause you can just count out the schedule, but you know, you'll know January one, all the holidays you're going to work that year. Um, and though you have yeah, but- Sometimes there's always that one asshole who didn't get the lead that he or she wanted and, and then, just ends up calling in sick, yeah, banks which, out. which can screw somebody else over, you know, into mandatory holdover from the ship prior. That's true. That is which, true. Which sucks. Yeah. And it, that's if somebody else doesn't want to pick it up. But also they have like, so. in, at least in my department, um, we definitely had that, like you said. Um, but we, as the uh, street peeps, uh, we all knew who those people were. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so those people get a bad rep too, because they're not right. really looked fondly upon in the department when you're like, 
Oh, did you call out because your back hurt again? Oh, are you okay? You know, like, um, but yeah, the, you know, like that, those people can't, they, they're not going to last long in the department usually. So, hey man, don't be talking about back injuries, man. I'm nursing one right now. I know, right? <laughs> but the other thing too that a lot of people don't understand, and this, this is the one thing that holidays I could deal with because I dealt with it through my whole career and you just kind of get over it, you know, and, and you, in the, in the years, occasionally, like occasionally in our department, we would have years. I don't remember how many years it fall, you know, it fell, but every once in a while we'd have a year where we had like Thanksgiving and Christmas off and Christmas Eve, like all, it just worked out that those were all between our four days. Um, and obviously those years were incredible. Um, so you take those years like those just become like it, it makes the holiday even better because you do get to spend it. You do get to be there when your kids wake up on Christmas or whatever. You know, you get to, you get to experience that stuff or and, and or you get to drink on the holidays. You know, if you want to like relax and have a good time, you can do that because you don't have to worry about going to work the next day. Um, oh, yeah. If I had to uh, if I had to choose, I would much rather work Christmas Eve because then, you know, you, you can always leave in the morning and, and still, you know, you know, leave early enough and you know, for most people and still spend time with your family. Yeah. 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 Cause even if you're not there exactly when kids wake up or something, you're there soon enough afterwards. Usually. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I would take that too. I would, I would definitely take that too. Um, so that, that's part of it. The other thing that, that was big for me. And one of the reasons I actually, um, when I, when I moved here to Alabama, um, that I kind of walked away from this profession was, um, where I worked before we had, you know, or anywhere, I guess you get, you have to come to work, on most of the major weather events. So if there's like where we lived in Northern Virginia, like if they have um, a big snowstorm coming, yeah, just, just know you're going to be at work, <laughs> you know? And, and that also becomes very, very taxing on your loved ones. And again, same, same kind of pull with your kids and stuff like that, because if it's a big snowstorm, of course your kids want to be out in the snow and hanging out with their, their family if they're really young and you don't get to experience those times because you're stuck at work. Um, and then your wife, your husband, your whatever significant other, they have to do all the stuff at home. Like if you have a really bad snowstorm, I remember specifically like right before we moved here or whatever, a few years, a few years before that we had a massive snowstorm and I had to go to work, uh, for five days straight. We worked, I don't know how many hours that is, but five days, 24s in a row nonstop. And it was man, man, we were voluntold to do it. So we had to do it. Um, and my wife, I remember called me at one point and she's like, God, there's so much snow. How am I going to get out on because you know we're we're open tomorrow this is like maybe the third day in or something she's like yeah we're we're gonna be made to go to work tomorrow or the next day or something like that how am i gonna get out of the driveway and i was like yeah you have to shovel it you know and i didn't mean that to be sarcastic but it was like yeah and it makes you feel horrible especially as a man you know like i i didn't want to i don't want my wife being out there shoveling shoveling like three feet of snow on a whole driveway you know i want to be able to be there and do that for her you know what i mean and i wasn't able to do so because i had to sit at work for five days you know so that's something you have to prepare for too. And then know that like anytime there's a potential, depending on where you are in the country, a potential hurricane coming, maybe a tornado. I don't know, think whatever other event you can think of, um, you're probably going to be made to go to work or be on standby or something where you can't like drink. You can't, you know, do stuff like that. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I remember we, uh, we touched on the, that subject before about, I think snow or, or weather conditions. Um, yeah, I remember there was snowmageddon, or we called it snowmageddon back in 2010, where you know it dropped like almost three feet on us overnight. And um, yeah, and I just happened to work had I just happened to work have to go to work that next morning, you know, for you know a 48 hour shift. And of course, that 48 hour shift turned into you know 
four days. So, or actually turned into almost six days because after that, you know, four days, you know, my shift, the road, the way the rotation is, it just started all over again. So, because right. um, most of the people that I work with, um, they usually live like one state away because with the, with, the, with, the, with the luxury of the shifts that we have, you can afford to live farther away. Oh, especially when you had that 48 shift. I mean, yeah, you could oh, live yeah. like really far away because you, 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 you're, you're basically driving to, driving to and from work one day a week. I mean, even though it's a two-day period, you're going to be at work. You know what I'm saying? If you have a four-day on each end of that, that's a 10-day that's a week right there. You know? Oh, yeah, because I work around Baltimore. You know, that's where, that's where I work, right around Baltimore. And um, most of the people that I work with, they either live in D.C., they live in Baltimore, they live in Pennsylvania, they live in West Virginia, yep. they live in Virginia, you know, and uh, some people live in Delaware. You know, it, it because it, it you're afforded that luxury to to live a little bit farther out because you only well at that time when we worked 48 hour shifts you know you're basically there once a week is what the way it would kind of or about one and a half times a week I should say yeah you know and uh, you know so you were you know you were not working that much per month when you when you added it up as far as and you had almost nil driving time so it's not like you know you were doing that every single day because you weren't you're doing that basically one and a half times a week. Yeah, we even so, had. We, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. No, we even had people um, in 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 like where I worked. We had um, we were a combo system with career people and then volunteers, and right. a lot of the volunteers at one of the stations I worked at were also career in Northern Virginia, and then they just volunteered on their off time, you know, because they, they grew up volunteering and they wanted to continue to do so to help their their community, you know. And uh, I remember specifically one of the guys that. Uh, was a volunteer there. He lived in West Virginia, but he worked up north, right. closer to DC. And he would actually go, you know, drive from West Virginia to his job. And he then and th that place up north had uh, the same exact schedule we did. They had the ABC twenty four on twenty four twenty four on twenty four on, and then four days off. So he would go to work from West Virginia, go to to his twenty four, and then he has twenty four hours off. So he'd come down to to where we worked and volunteer. And then you could right. stay the night and stuff like that, obviously, because you're staying overnight, volunteered and staying staffed. And then he'd get up the next morning and he'd go to work. And then right. he'd come home and the next day and he'd stay at the volunteer house and do a day there. And then, you know, we have laundry rooms. You can do all that stuff. Of course, we have showers and all that stuff. And then he would go back the last day of his 24 hours uh, of his tour, finish the tour up, and then drive home to West Virginia for his four-day break. Now, right. now that's, that's a different schedule for sure. And that's, that's, that's harder to do because, I mean, you're now away from your family for five days then you go home for four then you're away from your family for five days. So that's a different kind of lifestyle, but he, he pulled it off. So, you know, good on him. But that, that was an interesting uh, thing I saw there. Yeah. Like I said, that's, that's one of the benefits of working in this field is, you know, you, most departments anyway, you have the benefit of having a compacted work schedule and, you've got a lot of time off, which yeah. like we've said before, which, you know, gives people the luxury to, you know, pursue other things or even have a second career simultaneously if that's what they want to do. Cause there's, there's plenty of, plenty of men and women that I work with that are like, say they're like master electricians on the side. Yeah. You know, they're, they have their own construction business, you know, and things like that. And, uh, maybe, they, maybe they do kitchen cabinets. Yeah. Sorry. Kitchen cabinets. Yeah. Cabinets. 
Yeah, no, that's yeah, true. They do that and go to school. I know I finished my uh, my bachelor's while doing it that way. Um, doing uh, like college online stuff like that and finishing that up. Like that, that's a great thing to do that and a great way to start other careers and stuff like that, like you said. Well, that's the other thing I forgot too is uh, it's a if you especially since you do have a lot of time off and also when there's downtime in between calls, you know, a lot of people either finish up a, you know, undergrad or they are doing a master's or they're even doing a doctorate. And because, you know, you have the time to do that if you want to, well, except for if you, if you work at a busy house or station where you're just, you know, balls to the wall, like we've said before, yeah, and you don't have as much time as you would, but still you have those days off where you have time to, to do that. If, if you want to, you know, depending on your own personal schedule, whether you have kids or not, you know, that, that always comes into play, you know, as, as much time as you have or don't have. So yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely benefits to, uh, the schedule and, uh, to pursue other things, whether it's school, whether it's a second career, whether it's, you know, just, you know, doing shit on the side. Well, and that was one of the things when I, when I finished my degree, um, it was, it was a benefit because like I was, I was at a, my main house near the end of my career, um, was busy, but it wasn't ridiculously busy. You know, it was, you know, we'd run maybe, I don't know, we'll say eight calls a day. I don't, I don't remember. Right. So it was busy, but it wasn't horrible. So we definitely had downtime during the day. And one of the things I liked was I could get my schooling stuff worked on while I'm getting paid to be doing something else. Cause we had downtime, of course, when you're not on a call. So I would be able to finish my schooling there and then of course I have to finish some stuff up while I'm at home, but I could do that at home when my wife was at work and my daughter was at school or daycare or whatever. Right. And then I'm not, I'm not missing that time with them. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, so that like when they're home, when they're both home and it's at night or the weekends and I'm off or whatever, I'm a hundred percent into that, putting that effort into that, you know, relationships with everybody. And that, that seemed to work out really well. So that was another big benefit of that. But yeah, the, to me, the, the working the holidays wasn't a big deal, but you do need to understand that to me as like a common citizen, like, you know, uh, most it, it not, not saying it's not fun on the holidays to work on the holidays. Like we had like big Thanksgiving dinners, um, you know, big, you know, I don't know any of those big holidays. We had like big meals and stuff like that, or maybe they had little events going on for everybody, but you still have to run calls. So if you're out there this Christmas, um, and you happen to see the EMS or fire guys run around, you know, a, a, a nice thank you is always nice. And they probably would appreciate it because they're probably not there because they want to be. So just something to consider, you know what I mean? And same thing on those weather days when it's, when it's shitty out and you're not going to be driving your car. Cause that's an idiot thing to do. Well, these guys are out there driving all over the place. And, um, uh, the only good thing I will say in our County, when we had that, like, I think it was probably the same one you're talking about with that Armageddon thing. Um, the only good thing was we did like our first day of our five days was horrible with just auto accidents all over the interstate, all over 95. Uh, I think we ran like 22 calls that day. It was ridiculous, but they weren't now it was on an engine. I was on an engine then. So it wasn't, you're not doing the transport part. You're just going to the scene doing stuff and going back to the firehouse. But we ran a lot of like the fender benders, you know? Um, and uh, that stuff. But then by day two, three, it was only the serious calls that were coming in. No one was calling 911 for toe pains and stuff like that. You know what I mean? So that was good. I, I will give props to the uh, citizens that. <laughs> just kidding. Just playing. Just playing. No, but you're absolutely right. That's happening. I mean, especially like when I was talking about when we had snowmageddon back in 2010. I remember it, the snow was so thick, and the you know the snowplows weren't able to really get a jump on it in certain places. So whenever we, you know, it just happened to be busy today, and there were there were some 
you know, I will say there were some bullshit calls, you know, those first couple of days. And that's what people should also be worried about. You know, when it comes to days like that, you know, you should kind of, unless it's an absolute emergency, just kind of maybe refrain a little bit. Well, I'm not saying don't call if you feel like you need to call, but if, if it's, unless it's an absolute emergency, you know, you know, on days like that where literally there's the snow is so deep where, uh, you know, the brush fire truck is plowing in front of us as we're going to the call. I mean, and then we're having to basically park because we can't get into it a cul-de-sac because the snow's so deep. You know, you got to park at the end of the cul-de-sac and you got to, you know, walk through almost three feet of snow just to get to the house. Yeah, that's what it's funny. Funny story. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, no, because if you go through that and then it's just for a, a nosebleed, know, nicked hangnail. Yeah. Which, and I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm being completely serious. That's not funny. Yeah. You know, yeah. those are the days that it should be reserved. And I'm saying this because this is paramedics unscripted and we're just giving you a real deal. And I'm not trying to insult anybody, but those are the days where people should not call for stupid shit. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just saying just people need to be aware of that. You know, don't call for the dumb shit that you can take care of yourself. You know, there's plenty of stuff that, you know, you can't take care of yourself. Like you can't take care of chest pain. You can't take care of uncontrolled diabetes yourself. You can't take care of, you know, any type of breathing problem. That's, that's an actual emergency, you know? And yeah, that's my rant. Well, that they, that's true. Well, it's true. Cause we had, um, I remember during that storm, like, like I said, day three or four, I don't remember exactly which day, um, we started getting occasional medical calls for, like you said, but they were real. They were like difficulty breathings and asthma attacks, stuff like that. And I specifically remember um, we had one that was difficulty breathing, an elderly uh, female. And it, we, this snow was waist deep, roughly, you know? And so most of us were wearing our fire pants and you just trudge through the snow, right? And then we had every type of, any time a call went out, our county also, we had, um, multiple like brush units and, and utility trucks um, that were moved to the station areas or to cover certain areas. And they would be dispatched along with every medic unit and their job, like the two, usually that usually those would have two firefighters on them. And that unit's job was to get down to the house, obviously because those are usually like four wheel drive vehicles, get down to the closer to the house if, if possible. And also to shovel the area out if we need if we had to get a stretcher in there like a, like a cpr or something you're gonna have to get a stretcher in there so they would shovel that whole thing from the unit to that that was their job i'm that you know it sucked but they had to do it um and i specifically remember during that storm where we were able to get an ambulance pretty far down there because we had a uh, four-wheel drive ambulance that we that our station had so we got we were able to get down there pretty far went in grabbed the uh, old lady we actually just firefight just carried her out basically like cradle carried her out um to the unit because that was the quickest way we put her on oxygen because she was having trouble breathing but we're like hey we're not going to wait time for just shovel all this out it's going to take too long so we carried her out got her on the to out to the unit and stuff got her on the cot and everything obviously got her in the unit and then the driver you know we told the driver all right you know after we start getting our stuff done in the back of the unit start an iv and stuff like that and uh we start driving down the road because we're now we're heading up it was a hill the big this community was at lots of hills and stuff so he's he's coasting up the hill at you know a safe speed or whatever and then in front of him, uh, a, a, a fucking pickup truck cuts him off, like, you know, does a right turn in front of him and goes the same way he's going in front of him. And then behind hit the, to the pickup truck, they have, a, they have a kid on a sled, like being pulled by this guy in his pickup truck, you know, having fun in the snow. 
pro- probably not the smartest thing to do at night, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not here to judge that or whatever. But Wait, hold on a second. Of- yeah. Hold on a second. I've got one better. <laughs> and this was the blizzard of 96 on the east, on the mid to northeast of the United States. Um, what we did, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, Jason, um, but that's kind of, rem- I got a flashback from that. <laughs> we tied a water ski rope to my buddy's axle, his rear axle, and then, you know, strapped on the snowboards and then just went cruising down some of the main, you know, main roads, like the main parkways and whatnot, because they were so snowed over. No one could get on there. Yeah. Unless you had a, a decent, even cops couldn't, you know, really do anything to kind of, you know, patrol or whatever. Yeah. 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 Patrol or force you not to do that. So basically we were just like wakeboarding and snow. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was cool. It was cool to see it. Um, the bad thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I'm not, Saying that that's something anybody should do, but, but well, it was the, fun at the time. Well, the bad thing for us was in that situation was the ambulance. Uh, obviously, the guy had the um, you know the driver was up there, and that car, that truck, kind of pulled in. I mean, when I say pulled in front of them, there was a safe distance, you know. But right. you're, you're trudging through snow. Obviously, if you've driven in snow before, you don't want to stop or slow down. You want to keep the momentum going, um, especially when you're going up a hill like that. So he, of course, had to stop because. Not the truck was fine, but then this kid comes whizzing by on the on the rope or whatever they had attached uh, onto right. the tow hitch or whatever, and um, so he had to stop. Well, then once he stopped, he couldn't move anymore. So the truck just drove right. off. The four by four truck just drove off, and 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 then we're sitting there, and he's like, you know, he's trying to get it to get going again and dropping gears and stuff, trying to get it. it's not catching anymore. So we're we're fucked now. <laughs> so then they had to call this. This is a kind of a funny story. So then they had to call a second ambulance. To come and meet up, to come to our firehouse where we had come from, to stage at our firehouse, not to come down the hill stuff, just to stage at our firehouse. Right. And we, during that snowstorm, we had the National Guard there in our county assisting us with uh, Humvee trucks. So right. then they sent a Humvee down, and it was either a Humvee or the utility truck. I don't remember which one it was, but one of them came down, and then we put, we ended up taking the patient and putting him in the back of the vehicle in the rear seat and grabbing the medical supplies we think we would need, you know? Like this is all like fly by the seat of your pants kind of stuff. And then threw him in the back of that and then took him up to the top of the hill, which is where the fire station was there. Then we meet the regular medic unit, which is on that's on like a main road and stuff like that. So that's been at least attempted to be plowed at some point. You know what I mean? Um, and, and then the best part was then I took the patient, I handed him to the other medic, you know, who's there with their other tr- truck, my truck's down, down in the hill area somewhere. So then the other medic, I transferred care over to that medic. He then had to take the patient to the hospital. And then I get to go chill at the firehouse and get warm and have hot chocolate or whatever I want to do and chill out. And that ambulance, the, my ambulance driver and the people that were trying to get him dug out, they didn't come back up to the firehouse for like two more hours. <laughs> so, but meanwhile, I'm, that's my rig. So I can't go do anything else. So I'm just staged at the firehouse. So it was pretty funny. But that's the kind of stuff people don't think about. Like that truck obviously didn't pull in front of us to be a, to be a dick or anything like that. And he wasn't trying to do anything like that. He just, but when he did that, he actually caused uh, quite a big scene because now we had to get everything moved over to a pickup truck or to the Humvee or whatever it was, and then get all the way up there and then get a second unit dispatched. And it caused a big cluster. You know what I mean? So people don't think about that kind of stuff. Right. Now I wasn't trying to sound like an asshole earlier. If people need to call 911, then call 911. I'm just trying to make people be aware in special circumstances like that there's a blizzard 
and like multiple feet of snow dropped on, you know, your local area, you know, that's when the calls for non-emergency stuff need to kind of, you know, be retracted a little bit. You know, people need to be aware of that. Hey, it's an extreme weather condition out there. I don't need to be calling an ambulance for a, for a, you know, stub toe. Well, yeah. And I remember, like, I remember during that storm, uh, like the first day we were really, really busy, like I said, with auto accidents and we would pull up on the engine and it got to the point where eventually like as the day progressed and it was just getting crappier and crappier. And then you had these, you know, every, every first day of a snowstorm, you have the idiots driving around that shouldn't be out there. Well, there were all these wrecks, no, no injury kind of wrecks, just like property damage only kind of stuff. Sure. And, and, and we would got to the point where we were driving the engine up next to, cause the engine engines can drive through a lot of stuff. They're extremely, extremely heavy. And obviously they have a lot of tread and tie, different tie, all the wheels and stuff like that. So they go through the snow pretty good, but we would pull up next to these wrecks and just lean out and be like, everybody. Okay. And they'd be like, yep. And we're like, all right, uh, we're going to, you know, we all sheriff's office. Everybody knows about this call. Um, VDOT's going to get out here as soon as I can. And which was the Virginia Department of Transportation to help them out and sort stuff out. And state police would come when they can get there and stuff like that because they ran all the wrecks in our county. And um, and they'd be like, do you, ha- do you know how long it's going to be? And we'd be like, nope, not a clue. Might be a couple hours. All right. See ya. You know, like that's literally what we could because we can't do anything, you know, right. and, and they were so busy. You can't sit there on the you can't sit on the road with them for two hours. And and there's nothing wrong with the vehicles are, you know, they, they've already pulled to the shoulder or it's a safe area. Everything's all you know done for. Maybe we put down some flares if, if we needed to or something like that. But that was pretty much it because you just can't do anything. And it's like, yeah, you, you guys shouldn't have been out on the streets today. This was a dumb idea, you know? So what do y'all have planned for these holidays there, bro? Um, well, uh, just nothing real exciting. I mean, just the normal family stuff, really. Um, what about you? I'm in a pick it, actually picking up my in-laws this afternoon um they're flying in from st louis um and then we're gonna then from there we're gonna celebrate my mother-in-law's birthday just take her out to a nice restaurant all that good stuff and then on actually on christmas day my mother and father are coming over and then my sister and my brother-in-law are coming in from virginia beach so we're gonna have a you know just kind of have a christmas brunch if you will you know kind of a good time that's cool. Yeah, we're going to my yeah we're going to my mother in law's for dinner for uh, Christmas Eve, I believe, and then uh, right, and then just doing the normal family stuff after that. So should be a nice relaxing holiday for sure. So that's cool. yeah, you know, and just uh, you know, everybody just needs to remember to be safe out there. Don't uh, don't get too crazy, especially around New Year's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, we're and we're also like. And, and we'll talk about this a little later too, but yeah, we're going to do a podcast next week too. So we'll talk to you guys before the end of the year too. But um, we just wanted to talk about the holidays real quick with everybody, everything going on and just kind of be aware of that stuff. You know what I mean? For everybody out there. And if you're lucky enough, if you live in an area where you're lucky enough to get snow, um, first of all, I hate you, but, but second of all, uh, you know, be careful out there as well. Well, shit, man, it can't, it can't make its mind up up here. It's uh, like last week we had, you know, it was down in the forties for a couple of days and then it was up in the seventies for a couple of days. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. I was like, I wore like, I was out working. Um, la- I guess it was last week. Like you said, cause I think we get a lot of times we get the weather and then it goes to you guys. Like it seems to go that way, the weather systems or whatever. And it was like, it was so cold, like driving around and stuff. I was like, wearing like a, like a, like a skull cap. You know what I mean? And I was like, God dang, it's cold. You know, cause the week before it was like 60 and beautiful. And then now it's like ridiculous. 
And then like, then, then again, as the week went on, all of a sudden you're like, God, it's t-shirt weather again. <laughs> right. Like, this is, I was like, this is nuts, man. So yeah, we don't get a lot of snow here. So that's, that's uh, one of the big things I miss though. And my daughter misses it for sure. So hopefully, hopefully one day we'll see that again. <laughs> we, we got a little snowstorm last year. Our snowstorm was an inch. Now the good thing Man, is you, now really the good thing is it, well oh yeah and the yeah. good well and here an inch shuts it down like it's shut down oh yeah it's because you're down in the south well yeah in Alabama they 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 don't have salt trucks and plows I mean they, I don't think they do I've never seen them you know you, in Virginia you go there and they'll have like a, the, just convoy of them going all over the place taking care of stuff and then if you go more up north like real north you know what I mean like Minnesota stuff like that they don't they don't even miss work or school <laughs> you know. Because they have so many vehicles out there, just take. They're like, "What is it? Three feet? All right, I'll have this cleaned up in an hour." You know, like those guys are badass up there. Um, but yeah, I tell you what, they know how to. They know how to. Because I grew up when I was uh, younger. I grew up kind of in the. I guess you could say, well, I, it was in Nebraska, and then you know, above Nebraska and all that, you had the Dakotas and whatnot, and uh, you know, we get a lot of snow per year in Nebraska, and. Uh, but not nearly as much as up north. Right. And I tell you what, though, when it comes to, like, say, the Dakotas or or even, like, the you know, some of the, you know, northwestern states or whatnot, they, the way they can just tackle that snow with those big trucks that just spray it overhead across, you know, like 40 feet, it seems like, you know, and just, just blows it out of the way. Yeah. I mean, that was, it's, it's amazing to watch. Well, it's like my, I had a friend of mine growing up in high school and he was, uh, he was from Montana and, um, he was telling me a lot of snow in Montana. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he was telling me like in Montana and I, I've never been to Montana, but he was telling me when he grew up there, um, you would, you would, uh, you would have a bag in your car, like a, like a emergency bag or whatever you want to call it, like an emergency right. kit bag where you, and you'd have like, like a sleeping bag or a blanket, some, a couple blankets, a pillow, I don't know, whatever else you could think would be some water, probably stuff like that. And maybe granola bars or something. Um, because if you were in Montana and you were driving around and let's say you're, you know, and from what he told me, it's very flat there. Again, I've never been there, but um, you'd be driving, let's say you're on the little interstate or whatever, and you're going wrong and then your car breaks down and you have to, you know, you, right. you pull to the shoulder. Right? And, right. and then you're stuck in your car or your, your car stuck and you can't get it started. And let's pretend that happens on a snowstorm day. And then on that snowstorm day, and like you just said, those trucks come around and they will, they don't give a rat's ass <laughs> that your car is sitting there on the shoulder. They will just plow the road or whatever the snow shovel or um, snow shoot the road like they're supposed to. And that stuff will just all get dumped on your car. <laughs> and you might then become trapped in your car for a couple days. You know what I mean? So, um, they, they, yeah, he said you had to be prepared for that <laughs> because you might have to, you might find yourself like, you know, crawling out a window and then digging out enough to get out to where you can see stuff again. Right. Cause they do not care. They'll just, they're like, Nope, we're here to plow. And if you're in cars in the way, I mean, they're not going to plow your car, obviously, but they'll cover it up. We, we didn't have that in Virginia where I, or we would just have the, the plows would push stuff up against your car and stuff. Maybe it'd get high if it was a really high snowstorm, but yeah, that's pretty nuts though. <laughs> I couldn't imagine breaking down and like having that problem. You're like, Oh, oh now, yeah. Now I'm under five feet of snow. Oh, this sucks. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I remember when I, I lived in Virginia Beach briefly when I was in high school and I, I came from a place where I was used to getting a lot of snow and it took a lot of snow for them to cancel school. Right. Right. I remember, yeah, I was in ninth grade and uh, it just started snowing in Virginia Beach and they're not used to having snow and it just started flurrying and immediately school was called out 
you know, you know, immediately school was canceled midday because they are not prepared for that. And they don't know how to deal with it. And of course I'm looking at, it, I'm like, it's basically fucking rain. I mean, what, it's not even sticking to the, to the asphalt or the pavement. It's right. melting. It's, you know, cause it's not cold enough. Right. The ground's but, too hot. So not, yeah, it just, it just turns to water as soon as it touches anything. Yeah. And since they're not prepared to handle it, you know, they're like, Oh my gosh. And of course, you know, and the people that grew up in that area, who's never rarely had seen snow before they're like out there. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, dude, it's funny you say that. And that that's, I thought that was, I thought that was cool. Cause I'm like, hey, man, these people, some of these people have never seen snow before. Yeah. Even though it snows there at least maybe once, twice a year on the average, you know, maybe. And, uh, but yeah, I was just amazed. I'm like, cause places I had lived growing up, I mean, it, it, you had to get like massive inches on the ground before they would even think of canceling school. But nope, we just had a little bit of a flurry. Nope, school's done. We're going home. We got to get home because we don't know how to handle this. And it was just, it was wild. Well, and here, that was back. That was back in the eighties. Yeah, and here and here they do it like completely even more ridiculous. Like here, they will, and they've done it numerous times since since we lived here in two thousand. We moved here in fifteen. Um, they will cancel school here based on the weather report for tomorrow. So if the weather says it could snow tomorrow, like a half an inch or whatever, they'll shut it down because, and they'll do it. They've done it multiple times where my daughter's like, why am I off today? I'm like, I have no idea. And you go outside and it's like 50 degrees outside and there's no snow, you know, but, right. but they do that because they like, like you said, they don't have the inf- inf- infrastructure here to deal with it. Um, where we live, there's basically um, to get towards the main city. There's like two mountain ranges or they're not huge, but there's mountains. So you have to kind of go through a mountain. So when it gets anything like that, they just shut it down and, and pretty much the whole area gets shut down because they don't want anybody out there because they're not prepared to deal with that stuff, you know, here. Right. So it is, it is funny though. Cause you're like, you just see, you see the weather reports. Hey, tomorrow there could be a, a possible 20% chance of a half an inch of snow. And you're like, oh, right. And you just know, you're just waiting for the phone call from the school, a little automated system. Be like, school is canceled tomorrow. And then it might. And then it's funny because then if it does snow and it stays a little bit cold, Obviously, and you get the like the refreeze overnight and stuff like that, and then on the roads, right. they'll shut it. They'll either do a delay, but even a two-hour delay or something like that. But most of the time, the next day, they'll just shut it down too, because our temperatures are like, like the year we moved here, uh, we moved here in July uh, of fifteen. In February fifteen, they actually had eight inches of snow here, um, which right. that that's like that's like sixteen feet somewhere else. Um, they had eight inches of snow, but it's funny because of course they closed down that day and maybe the next day or something like that. But then after that, everything's back to normal because the temperatures range is so different. Like it gets so warm during the day because we're in the South that it, it like melts it all away, you know? So you're, you come out in the morning, you're like, you're like my daughter will be all excited because she really misses the snow. Of course, kids love playing in the snow and uh, she, she'll like come out and see it. She'll be all excited. And then you're like, yeah, it's going to be gone soon. Like last year I said, we had an inch of snow, maybe an inch and a half. It wasn't very much. And it was only for the one day, really, that it was really worth doing anything with. But we got out there and, like, we had, like, uh, uh, we used her kayak, actually. We got her out there in her kayak and we're, like, we have a kind of a hill in our backyard. And we were, like, letting her run down the hill on, in the kayak in the snow. Right. Even though, really, it was more, like, mud snow, <laughs> you know? But it was right. fun because then, all, like, all the neighbors were coming over. And they're like, oh, can we go down? I'm like, yeah, whatever, man. You know? It was just fun to see. And all the kids seeing, you know, even though it wasn't, like, in Virginia, a one-inch snowstorm would you'd probably go to work, you know? <laughs> well, let me ask you something, man. Cause you know, we, we grew up in the same, same County and yeah. for, for, for listeners out there, Jason, and I both grew up in Fairfax County, Virginia or Northern Virginia. I, I should say, cause a lot of people in Virginia think that 
you know, Northern Virginia is like a separate state, which, you know, it, <laughs> the great, the great know, state of Fairfax. Yeah, basically, Northern Virginia is basically D.C. suburbs. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Um, but for the most part, I grew up, my father was in the military. So up in that guy who was born in Alabama, where Jason lives now, then moved straight to Northern California and then straight to Omaha, Nebraska. And then in 1984, moved to Omaha. Uh, Omaha. Yeah. And then in 1984, moved to Northern Virginia. And did you see, back- did, did you guys see 311 when you were there? Well, dude, it's funny that you say that because I lived in Bellevue or I lived in, you know, Bellevue, Nebraska and right near me, um, 311 was, was right near me is where the band grew up. Oh, that's awesome. You know, so there are a lot of a lot of famous people came out of where I lived in Nebraska. There was like 311 um, for any metal militia people out there who went to motocross. Um, Brian Deegan came from there. You know, I actually went to elementary school with him oh, no shit. Um, shout out to brian if you're listening brian what's up um but no and it was it was great out there um it was basically where i lived in nebraska it was you know it was you know whenever i tell people that i used to live in nebraska of course a lot of people that don't know nebraska they're like they just picture oh you mean like you lived like kind of like in the movie children of the corn i'm like shut the fuck up yeah like, like no it's like we lived in the suburbs of omaha which was uh or or right outside of Offutt Air Force Base, which it was basically like, you know, your standard suburbia, you know, and uh, it was, uh, it was great. And then, but then we moved here or moved to Northern Virginia in uh, 1984. And that's basically where I've lived ever since. So I'm basically from the DC area. And so is Jason. Right. He just doesn't live here now. Right. But when we were growing up in the eighties, remember how, when we grew up in the eighties, it took, it it took like, like almost a foot of snow for them to cancel school. Yeah. Of course, now, now with these kids, it's like it, it barely snows and they're closing shit down. It's because they're so afraid of the liability, especially in the neighborhoods of, and it's, 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 I'm like, what, what happened? It's like, we would have loved to have this when we were kids, you know, to like just the thought of snow now, school's closed. Well, and that is that, kidding that, me? Well, that's true, and that kind of goes with like our culture as a society. Um, yeah, because we become, you know, I think everybody knows this. Uh, we become kind of a sue happy culture, and right. and uh, yeah, you're right with the liability stuff. Um, who wants to have that on their conscience to to say that you made him go to school and then you know this stuff happened? Like for instance, and I'll give a sp- specific here without being too specific for uh, for um, that reason. But um, where I worked we had a board of supervisors that ran our, our County. Okay. And they had a member of the board of supervisors that hated fire rescue. Okay. He did not like fire rescue. He did not support fire rescue. He didn't believe that we should be giving any of the, you know, the County, you know, they get money from everything. And right. they, he didn't think that they should get a high percentage of the money that you know, maybe should go to schools or whatever, you know, but fire rescue was low on the list and because it's not important. Well, then they had a year and this is a horrible story, so I'm going to keep it very brief. But they had a year when it snowed. They did not shut down the school system, okay? Or, or I, maybe there was two-hour delay. I don't know. I wasn't, I wasn't there during this time. I've heard this, but I've heard the story. So they, school, school was people were going to school, um, and he had a daughter that was in school, and she was in a car. I don't know. Again, I don't know if she was a driver or a passenger. I don't, I don't know the specifics of it. I've just heard the, the synopsis of the story. Uh, she got in a, they got, that car got in a wreck. She got injected and was killed instantly on a fence. Um, and since that time, Damn. 
Yeah, you know, I've told you, I, I, I warned everybody, like, this is, you know, it's pretty graphic. But um, since that time, that said supervisor had then become a high, big proponent of fire rescue. You know, even though in that situation, really, there wasn't probably much that could be done. But, but like, all of a sudden, because the reality hit his life, you know, and, that, and that's a thing with a lot of people, too, and with lots of things in life. Like, until you really go through an experience, it doesn't matter to you as much, you know? Um but yeah, that kind of, that kind of goes with what you were saying a little bit, you know. Yeah, it's it, it's uh it's crazy, man. Yeah. So crazy. I mean, yeah, I mean people yeah, you just got to like I mean, yeah, that's the liability stuff. Uh my mom, my mom, uh she was a teacher. She retired as a teacher and stuff like that. She did 30 years, I think. Um and yeah, you you see it like you're just, you know, like cuz who wants to like my mom actually knew where she uh, the county in Northern Virginia that she worked for. Um, she knew she was friends with the wife of the gentleman that he was the one that made the call like every right. day. Like he made the call like for that whole uh, place. He, he made the call for that. Like, Hey, we're closed today or we're not closed or two. Hard. He was the one made the call. So she got like firsthand knowledge always, you know, right. like, Hey, it's good. Yeah. They're going to be closing. Just, yeah, it's going to be closed. You're good. Or, Hey, no, they're, they're keeping it open. And, um, and yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't want that job. Would you want that job to make that call? Unless, unless your job is easy and like, like where I live, where like, uh, what they say, my rain tomorrow, shut it down, fucking shut it all down. You know what I mean? Like that's easy to do that. But to actually try to make that judgment call where you have to like, like with the school systems, you have to go to school so many days in a year and whatever all the rules are. And they have to like trying to fiddle fuck with that stuff all the time. Yeah, fuck that. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want that on my shoulders. Especially if no, you make no, the wrong no. call ever, you know? And just all the right. buses on the road too. Like that's what people don't think about too. When they do that stuff, like, and, and we had, I'm sure you do it too where you work. But, um, when we, where I worked in our County, we would run, even if it's even on a normal, like, you know, regular day, whatever we'd run, you know, bus accidents occasionally, you know, where car, cars hit a bus or something like that. 99% of the time, 99.99 repeating percent of the time, everybody's fine. You know what I mean? But, but it, you still have to run the call. You still have to do all the paperwork and you still have to call all the parents and it's, it becomes a long drawn out deal. You know, so if you can get those by closing school alone, you get all those school buses off the road, you get all the teachers off the road, you get all the inexperienced drivers, you know, the ones that are just got their license, you know, and, or they've been driving for maybe a year or two. They don't need to be on the road if they don't need to be on the road, you know, so you right. get to limit all that stuff and you eliminate it all later on it when the school gets out too, you know? So, right. Yeah. Just something to think about, but I know you wanted to get onto your, uh, your rant here. So let's hear your rant today. I'm, I'm excited about this one. Oh, yeah, man, I want to rant about the jab. I'm just kidding, people. I'm not going to talk about the, the jab. <laughs> i just mess with you. <laughs> Autobots. No, let me ask you a question, Jason. All right. With your uh, the department you worked for, what type of uh, investment opportunities did they offer? Did they offer like a 401K? Or something like it, or what? Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we basically had a, a equivalent of a four hundred one k. We had the Virginia retirement system, um, right? That, that's what we had, pretty much. You know, okay. <laughs> and it was matched. Uh, we got in our department. They, they, the department would give you, the department would put six percent of your salary. They would match six percent of your salary for the paycheck, and that's what they would put in. Or maybe it was by the month. I don't remember how they did it, but but six percent they would give you if you wanted to add anything to that, you could. But even if you put nothing in, you always got six percent in that for to your Virginia retirement system, which is a um, if you don't live in Virginia, it's the big 
like my mom was a teacher in a totally different county and she was part of that too. Like that whole county is part of, I mean, the whole state is part of that or it can be part of that. So they, it was your mom a teacher for what, for Fairfax County? Uh, no, she was for Alexandria city. Alexandria city of Alexandria. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Even though that's a city, it's, you know, it's, it's weird up there, but yeah, they call that a city instead of a county, but yeah, she was, uh, that she was part of it too. And then you have people in like Fairfax County, they Fairfax County, I believe did, uh, the VRS system and they had their own, I believe, or maybe that was Fairfax city. I can't remember, but there's a couple of them, different ones. So. Right. But yeah, that's all we had. We didn't have anything like, I mean, other, anything else you would do would be, you know, your own financial planning, you know, with maybe a financial advisor or something like that. What about you? Yeah, same thing. I just, my whole thing is, uh, and I see this a lot, you know, especially in our industry and it's not just, it's not just our, line of work and your former line of work it's 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 uh, a lot of you know it's in a lot of sectors um you know i one of the things that i think it's scary to me i can't speak for all people but i can i can speak for myself is um a lot of people get so wrapped up in how much they're you know contributing to their 401k or their if you work for the government the tsp or um or whatnot that they are so just they think that that's the be all to end all and that's what what makes me just kind of fearful for them because if I just I'm of the and like I said I'm not telling anybody what to do I'm just I'm just I'm just just expressing my opinion I yeah we're that, we're not financial advisors or we're not doctors right. or anything like that so right. you know we're not trying to be liable here for anything um this is just like he said just our opinions. Right. I, what scares me the most are people. That's the only thing that they rely on. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're doing the best you can and you're strapped, or you're you're so far under debt, or you know under the thumbnail of debt, and uh, you know you're just putting in your retirement plan as much as you can, yeah, that's one thing. But uh, you know, I see a lot of people. You know, not only in our line of work. But they they rely. That's the only thing they rely on. That 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 is going to be their sole retirement. Is that, you know, that that four hundred one k that IRA. When maybe you should expand yourself out a little bit. I'm not like I said. I'm not telling you what to do. But uh, you know, I think one of the things that's lacking. Yeah, and this is going to be my rant. One of the things that I think is lacking, especially in our education system, is. The lack of financial education. That is something that there's a lot of things that are never taught in school. Absolutely. Which, in my opinion, is the reason why so many people have difficulties, you know, with managing finances is because, you know, they were never they were never taught or told how to do it. And they were never they were never shown. And that's that's something I feel like needs to change because one of the things that, uh, and, and I will say this and I don't mean to scare people, but you know, we're in times right now where, especially with the way things are in the world right now, whether it's COVID, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, the lockdowns because of COVID that we had, you know, recently and the possibility of that happening again. Um, with inflation on the rise. Yeah. You know, people, these are the times where people need to really 
in my opinion, educate themselves. That's, that's, you know, like I said, I'm not telling people what to do. Um, I'm just saying, you know, think about expanding past just your 401k, your TSP. And, uh, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of financial planners out there that will tell you, you know, that you're, you're well diversified when, okay, you're, you're putting this much into your 401k, you've got, you know, a Roth IRA, you've got uh, some mutual funds over here, and then you maybe have some individual stocks over there and some, and they're going to explain to you, yeah, you're, you're, you're well diversified, but the problem is you're only diversified in one asset class and that is paper. Yeah. And, 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 and stocks. I mean, cause mutual funds yeah. all, all are, well, most of them are stocks. So you're, right. you're, even though you're, you think you're diversified and like you just said, they're like maybe three different entities of like a mutual fund, a Roth IRA and, um, uh, individual stocks or something like that. When you look at it from a little back up, back that microscope up a little bit, you're like, Oh, these, these are all stocks. <laughs> like technically it's different forms of doing it, but these are all stocks. So you gotta be careful and diversify your, like you said, your actual entity that you're going into. Well, like for me, I'm, I am, uh, I, like I said, and I'm only saying this for me, I'm not telling anybody to do this. I'm just saying what I do. You know, I'm a, I'm a hard assets guy. I'm a tangible assets guy. That doesn't mean that I don't have money invested in paper assets. Right. That just means that I am not going to completely rely on them because if there is a crash and there is going to be a serious crash that's coming, it, no one can tell you when, but it's inevitable. Um, I'm not trying to scare people out there, but, one of the first things that are going to go in a crash like that are paper assets. So that's why I'm just, you know, just putting the, uh, the feelers out there for people to just kind of maybe expand your mind a little bit, and you know, educate yourself, you know, about say tangible assets, whether it's, you know, hedging against the dollar by investing in, you know, gold and silver. Yep. And when or I say real estate silver, or whatever. Yeah. And I'm not saying gold and silver, as in ETFs, which is paper gold. Right, right, yeah, right, right. Is, you're, you're, yeah, you're doing the same you're, thing. You're buying, yeah. a, you're buying, you know, you know, a, you know, basically a, a you're given a piece of you know, a paper certificate for this amount of gold. But what people don't realize is there's less gold out there than there are paper ETFs. Right. If everybody and, tried to cash in at the same time, you wouldn't, you're not, they're right. not going to, yeah, they're not going to send you actual real gold. Or real silver. Exactly. Or, or if people try to cash in at one time and try to get that gold that they have these certificates for, yep. they're most likely not going to get it if there's a run for everybody to cash in on their gold because there's so many more you know ETFs out there than there are actual physical gold. You know, so that's why, you know, like uh, you know, some of the famous people say if you can't hold it, you don't own it. Yep. Which means if you can't see it, touch it or hold it in your hand, it's not yours yet. Yep. So, you know, just all I'm saying is for people just to kind of expand their minds a little bit and, you know, maybe in, invest, you know, also in some financial education just to expand your minds. Cause there's a lot, you know, one of the things that's not taught in schools and has not been taught in schools for, in my opinion, generations now is how the financial system really works, how money really works, what money really is. Yeah, and, especially uh, with, what, with them the continuing to print like trillions of dollars every time. It, well, and you're it's just funny. diluting everything. Right, and that's what people need to understand. 
you know, and I'm not, and it, forgive me for the people listening out there that already know this. I apologize if I'm just preaching to the choir. Um, but especially in times like now where, you know, we'll say since, since the, you know, since the real estate crash and, you know, 2006, seven, eight, you know, um, and, you know, people think that we have actually recovered since, and we haven't, all they did was they threw money at the problem, which they basically just, you know, the federal reserve just turned the printing presses on and they just basically printed our way into, you know, staying above water. Yep. What a band. And yeah, they, they basically, it was the equivalent of, uh, you know, when an alcoholic has a hangover, you know, to prevent them from getting the DTs, give them a little bit more alcohol just to keep them on that even keel level so they won't, you know, dive down. Right. And it's basically the same thing. That's what they've done. And then when COVID happened and when that money printing exponentially compounded, um, it put us even more in the hole. And we're in a financial situation now that, you know, the government will sit here and tell you that everything's okay. But it's not. You know, what do you think is going to happen when, you know, we can't just keep printing money forever? The only reason why we are able to do that is because we're the reserve currency of the world. Right. And we actually have the edge up to do that because all other currencies of the world are, all other currencies of the world are pegged to the dollar. And, you know, if the dollar tanks, they're all going to tank. Yeah, like I, uh, yeah, like I said, like a few podcasts ago, or one, I don't remember when it was, but you know, everything I believe everything in the world revolves around uh, oil in uh, pharmaceutical companies, and like you just said, the dollars linked to the oil stuff, and uh, there you go. Well, and that's why, um, yeah, and, and like we talked about before, you know, when when Nixon took the dollar dollar off the gold standard in 1971, you know, basically there was no tether anymore, which means they could print into oblivion. And, uh, you know, um, and they had the power to do that. But that can only happen so much over the years before it redlines. And that's what, when, when you hear the term fiat currency, it's basically currency that's backed by nothing. Right, exactly. You know? And that's, you know, you, you'll ask, you, know, you still ask a lot of people, you know, in, in this country, you know, it's, say, hey, uh, what is our dollar backed by? And a lot of people will still say gold, and that's not the case. The only thing that is that backs the American dollar is the good faith and credit of the United States, which means, you know, us the taxpayers, which right. means the dollar is backed by debt. Right. Period. You know, it's pure fiat currency, and as, as history has shown us through throughout, you know, years and years and years and years and years that your standard fiat currency system only lasts maybe 50 years, you know, and we're right at that point now. Yep. Um, and especially with, with all the money printing that's out there, and especially with this new administration that wants to, you know, with these infrastructure bills that they were trying to pass in the trillions, and then they were lying to the American people saying that it wasn't going to cost them anything. Where's that money going to come from? Is it just going to magically appear? And the taxpayers aren't going to be left with the bill. No, that's exactly what's going to happen. Taxpayers right. will be left with the bill. Well, yeah. it, it, it will. It will magically appear. <laughs> right. And that, but, but but we will be paying for it. Yeah. Right. And and that's what. And if people people think things are bad now, imagine if that passed. I yeah. mean, it's. I mean, and what people really need to understand, and like I said, 
for the people that already know this, I apologize for just repeating myself or preaching to the choir. Basically, when you've got – when the, the government has flooded the system with so much funny money out there, they've, they've flooded so much cash out there to keep the economy going, that's when you're going to see inflation just go through the roof because the problem is all inflation is is you've got so many dollar, more dollars out there now chasing the same goods and services where what's going to happen? The price is going to keep going up. Right, then you get that. Yeah, because you're, that all inflation. you're doing is diluting the currency. Right, right, right. It's not your dollar's not worth as much. Now your dollar's worth 70 right. cents, basically, or whatever. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So I, I, right, and the one thing that I would, uh, you know, like, for instance, I got friends of mine all the time who say, hey, what do you think about cryptocurrency? You know, the first thing I say is, like, well, what do you know about cryptocurrency? You know, it's like, well, would you invest in it? I'm like, well, I'm not going to tell you what I would do. You know, point is, what would you do? It's like, uh, do you know anything about it? Well, no. Well, if you don't know anything about it, then why would you invest in it? Right. You know, and or the same thing with uh, someone asked me, hey, uh, would you invest in gold and silver? I'm like, well, what do you know about gold and silver? You know, and it's like, well, I don't know anything. It's like, well, if you don't know anything about it, why don't you learn about it and then think about investing in it? Well, yeah, that, that goes with like, obviously my profession too, which is, you know, a lot of people do investing in real estate. Um, same idea. If, if you're going to throw a ton of money at something, you, you better kind of know what you're doing, you know, <laughs> learn, right. learn from people as you're going. Um, and uh, shout out, I'll give a quick shout out to Fundrise. We're not sponsored by them or anything. Uh, shout out to Fundrise though, if you want to be a sponsor. Um, that's a great site where you can go to now as a, 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 like for someone who doesn't know what they're doing and you don't have to be accredited investor. You can be accredited or non-accredited and you can actually join a conglomerate of people and online, this is all on an app and online and stuff like that. And you can put your money there and they will uh, put it towards projects. They'll tell you exactly where the project is, what the address is, all this stuff. It's all above board. Um, and you'll make an actual return on a physical asset that actually is a tangible physical asset. Like you can drive to the address and see these places um, and, and use real estate instead of, instead of, or as an alternative or maybe as a conglomerate along with your mutual fund your other stuff. If you can't just outright, let's say you don't have enough money to outright just buy a house to rent it out or buy an apartment complex to rent it out or something like, you know, if you don't have that kind of money to do that kind of stuff, well, that's a great way to get started. And you really are diversifying at that point. Right. And it, it, to me, it's important. Like I said, I'm not telling people what to do. I'm just expressing my opinion. Yeah. That's my opinion. I too. Think, not a financial advisor. Yeah. I think one of the most important and famous words from one of my favorite people, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, you know, who I've probably quoted probably 20 times in the past 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, one of the best things you can invest in is financial education because the more knowledge that you gain about the financial system and investing, no matter what it is, the better off you're going to be. So that's one of the biggest investments you can make is just in the education, in the financial education. And uh, to Agreed. plug... To plug Kiyosaki again, you know, one of the best, and it still is one of the most famous, best-selling personal finance books of all time is a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Yeah. Giving, you a, giving you a shout out there, Robert. I hope you don't mind. Um, that book came out, I think uh, it was came out in the mid-90s. I think I want to say 1997. But uh, that is one book that actually, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to sweat it. It changed my life. Um, and it, uh, it just basically forced me to look beyond the bullshit 
and look and see what happens really behind the curtain. You know, because that's the thing. A lot of people, you know, they don't know how the financial system really works. They don't know how money really works or how it's created. And, um, you know, knowledge is power. And the best thing I could tell people out there, and I won't, I won't keep repeating myself, but is to invest in their financial education. That is one of the best things they can do, no matter what your, your field, your, your, your field, your work field is your field of work or what your career is. That's one of the best things you can do. And I can't stress that enough, especially in times like this, you know, because what's scary, and I am going to say this, you know, and this is coming from somebody who took advantage of the down market in 2007 and eight, you know, because I put myself in a position to do so. Um, you can, uh, you know, as much as I hate to say this, you know, one of the best times to invest is in a down market. And if you have that financial education or you, you, you learn, you know, what happens behind the scenes and how things are really done, you know, you can do a lot. You can make a lot of changes in your life that you want to make. And, you know, it's priceless information. Yeah, I agree, man. There's no such thing as a bad market. It's just how you attack it, you know? Right. And, and, and the other thing is, for you know, for someone who took advantage of the, the down market in 2007, 2008, the same people, the same financial gurus that were, and I'm not going to name names, that were telling people that everything was going to be fine. No, the housing market's great. Uh, and then it crashed. Are the same people right now that are telling you that everything is going to be okay. But the problem is we never corrected the problem back in 2007, 2008. We just made it bigger, but we just masked it by dumping money at the problem. Like right. Jason said, put a Band-Aid on it. Yeah. And this time, this one is going to be so much bigger than the last crash because it's an everything bubble now. It's a credit bubble. It's a bond bubble. You know, It's a, it's a housing market bubble. It, it's everything. Yeah, definition yeah. of insanity, man. Doing the same thing, expecting different results. And that's, you know, for a number of years, especially the last 50, that's exactly what this country has been doing. And, you know, you can't, like I said before, throwing money at a problem just to keep keep your head treading above water is basically makes about as much sense as giving a, you know, a, you know, a drug addict, you know, another hit just to just to keep them on an even keel. You know, that can only happen so long before they check out. And agree. we are at that point again where, just like we were 12 years ago, 13 years ago, where it's at that tipping point. But like I said before, it, no one knows what, what last snowflake is going to cause that avalanche to go down the mountain. You know, and no one knows, no one can really, people will sit here and they'll, they'll try to say, well, I give it another six months. It's like, you can't put your finger on it. Cause there's a lot of people that think, including myself, thought that we were going to have a massive crash, you know, like three years ago, but it never happened. So you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. You know, that, that's my rant and all I'm saying just to, just to kind of round it up a little bit. I didn't mean to go off on a tangent. Bobby's but, rant. But yeah, people just, if there's one investment 
that you can invest in that will change your life and will help you, especially in times like this or times to come, is to invest in, you know, just in financial education. You know, and uh, that's, that's the best I can tell you. You know, or if you're thinking about investing in something but you don't want to know that much about it, learn about it before you put any money down. Or if, or if you're thinking about getting into a deal, no matter what it is, whether it's a real estate deal, whether it's you know uh, a business deal, whatever, if something doesn't make sense to you, don't do it. Yeah, true that, man. Don't do it. You know, make sure you know everything about what you're about to do and you feel confident before you take that risk. You know, that's why you make the best. And granted, you're going to have risk out there no matter what, but you know, make it a calculated, make it calculated risk. You know, just make sure you know as much as you can about whatever it is you're about to do. going to say it better myself, man. Well, I know you got to get out of here cause you got your uh, family to pick up at the airport. Um, just a little, just a little housekeeping, real quick, real, real quick, real quick. Um, wanted to uh, get let everybody know here. Uh, our email address here is paramedics. That's plural. Paramedics unscripted at gmail.com. Paramedics unscripted gmail.com. Paramedics unscripted gmail.com. Shoot us any if you have any topics you'd like us to cover in upcoming shows, or questions you have about the EMS system, or maybe you work in the industry and you're want to talk about stuff, but you really can't talk about stuff. Um, well, tell me about it. I'll talk about it. Cause I don't give a fuck. And we'll, we'll shoot you straight on that stuff. We appreciate all the, uh, continued support for this podcast. We've been getting tons and tons of more views every week. So thank you for telling your friends and stuff like that. Make sure you subscribe. Um, that way you don't miss the next show. Um, and give us those five stars, five star reviews. If you get a chance, even if you just hit the little five star thing, um, that helps us tremendously to get out to more and more people. We want to take this opportunity to wish everyone a happy holidays. And thanks to all the emergency workers that are out there that are going to be out there during the holiday season and that have been out there during the holiday season to uh, you know, be, right be safe out there. Yeah, absolutely. And next week, we're going to be, do, like I said, we're going to be doing a podcast next week uh, before New Year's. And we're going to have a special announcement that's going to be going out then. Uh, even Bobby doesn't know about it. We will be going over that. So that's another great reason to subscribe. Tell your is your friends. wife pregnant? Is that what's going on? <laughs> Shoot, no, uh, <laughs> but, but it's going to be it's going to be cool. And, are you uh, sure? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. And okay. uh, it's, it's going to be fun, man. And uh, again, we appreciate everybody. Um, let's see if there's anything else. I think that was it, man. So uh, without further ado then, unless you got anything else, man, let's get out of here. Yeah, let me say one more thing. Uh, like I said, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent about, uh, you know, financial shit. Um, but like I said, uh, I was given a proper shout out to Robert Kiyosaki because he, like I said, he changed my life. If you're thinking about checking out, you know, any of his, uh, his books, or podcast. Yeah, or podcast, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Yeah, uh, great podcast. On, yeah, which you can find on any type of streaming, you know, areas such as like iTunes, you know, uh Yeah, it's usually it's usually a little lower than Paramedics Unscripted, but it's on there. You can find it. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, or Spotify or whatnot. But right. uh definitely check out one of his books uh that him and his uh him and his wife wrote, uh called Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um and uh yeah. That's all I've got to say. Just everybody be safe out there for the holidays and uh, have a good one. Yeah, man. All right. Well, let's wrap this up then. And uh, until then, we will see you next week on Paramedics Unscripted. Unscripted.